Greetings, listeners. You found hope. This is the Bridge to Hope podcast, Finding Hope. I'm Alyssa, and this is Coltra. Today, we are going to talk about dating and healthy relationships. This may be a sensitive topic to discuss, so please stop listening when you need to and practice self-care. So for this episode and the next two episodes, we'll be working through a few topics including dating, healthy relationships, consent, safe sex, boundaries, and sexual health. To cover these topics, we have brought in the expert Kat from our last episode to help us. Here she is. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back again. It's it's, uh, really fun doing this. For those of you who didn't listen to the last one, hello, hello. Thanks for having me back again. It's really fun to be able to do this with you both. I uh, had such a fun time last time. Uh, For those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, I'm Kat. I am the sexual assault victim advocate at The Bridge. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm here to talk about all these fun things with these two lovely advocates again. So... I think we're going to jump right into it uh, with Alyssa, who's going to be talking about dating and kind of talking a little bit about the fear of dating as well. So, Alyssa, would you mind telling us a little bit about FODA and what that is? So the term was first coined by Logan Yuri. Not sure if I pronounced that right, but this person was the director of relationship science for Hinge, who said that 51% of users we're reporting feeling FODA. So FODA is the fear of dating again. And so people have been kind of holding off on dating during the pandemic because they were just weary of putting themselves out again. And they're just like nervous about it all. And you don't always want to fling. So you want something serious and you want to be cautious with COVID. So it's just all of that coming together and just dating again is scary. So It's just that fear of doing it again, and many people experience it, so don't worry if you're one of them. And it's important to discuss your fear to date again and just be open with how you're feeling. And also just discuss the COVID precautions that you want. So ask if they're vaccinated, if that's what you prefer, or ask them to wear a mask or whatever you feel comfortable with. Well, and I think that this topic can expand beyond just COVID. I think it also really encompasses anybody who's maybe not had a great relationship in the past and, you know, has just gotten, maybe they just got out of an abusive relationship and they don't want to date because they're scared that they might have a similar partner. So if I'm somebody who maybe hasn't dated in a while and is a bit anxious about it, how can I be safe when I go on dates? Yeah, it can be scary. So First, just choose to maybe go out for coffee versus having drinks. And you can have an early lunch versus a late dinner. And then just let someone know, a friend, family member, really whoever, let them know that you're going on this date and maybe tell them when you're expected to be back and have them call you just to check in or just all those precautions just to make sure that you're safe because you are going out with somebody that you're meeting for the first time typically So it's good to be extra safe. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to consider. You know, it's really important for people to take into account their own personal needs and come up with a safety plan that's going to work for them. Uh, It's sad that we have to think about that, but it is important. You know, if you don't know exactly what you're getting into, 
take all that into account. You know, if you're going out for drinks with somebody, don't leave your drink unattended. Or there are other measures like carrying pepper spray or, um, you know, they have those cool little things that you like put on your knuckles, not like brass knuckles, but like little, I don't know. They have like little self-defense things that people will carry with them. Maybe that's too much for what you're looking for, but again, it's such an individual thing. Just um, figuring out what's best for you is really important before you jump right into it. Right. And even like knowing where the exits are in the restaurant or like having a friend on call that you can text and have a fake emergency, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a fake emergency. Maybe you just want them to come pick you up. I think something people get anxious about too is how do you ask somebody out? Yeah, there's so many different ways to just talk to anybody nowadays over text, email, phone call, video chat, TikTok message, Instagram message, over dating apps, snail mail. No, just kidding. People don't send letters as much anymore. Could you imagine getting asked out through a letter in the mail? I'd find out like weeks later because I just bad at checking my mail. <laughs> but if you get nervous to talk face to face, the alternative is all the messaging systems that you can use. So first, just have a plan on what you're going to say. Also, rejection may happen. So just be ready for it and just prepare yourself. It doesn't mean that you're not as cool of a person. You will find somebody that cares about you as a person. And just remember to plan a date around what you kind of know about them. So if you know that that person loves to paint, you could do one of those paint nights and just find something that's interesting to them and get to know them more. Try to casually ease into conversation by asking them out. You could say, would you like to get coffee with me? Or would you like to go out to brunch with me? If they say no, just brush it off and walk away. Yeah, I know that rejection can be hard to face, but at the end of the day, you gave it your best shot and that's really great. Like, good for you. Because I know that's not always easy, especially when you have that anxiety to muster the courage to say anything at all. Practice makes perfect, right? We all um, get better over time and sometimes it takes testing the waters a little bit to figure out the right approach. And that's okay, you know? Not everybody's gonna succeed every time they try something. But sometimes I think it's important to take that risk. Take it safely. Again, you know, take into account your own personal safety. But it's okay to put yourself out there and to make that effort and take a risk when you're when you're interested in somebody. Well, since we're talking about, you know, dating and asking somebody out and being safe when you do that, how about dating apps? Because I've definitely heard some not so good things about dating apps. How can you use that in in a safe and good way? Yeah, there are just so many dating apps out there. So it's very important to just read the reviews that other people write and then look at the features on the app and try a few out. So you are not limited to just one app. Make sure if it says your location that it doesn't say your direct location because otherwise, you know, people could find you through that dating app. So it's something to be concerned about and just watch out for. So turn off your locations or just be aware of that. And then just doing anything online can really be risky. And it's important to just provide minimal information on the app. So do not use your last name. Don't put contact information or other social media handles. Because if you put 
if you connect it with like Facebook or Instagram, then people can find out more details about you through the dating app. And just be aware of what other users can view. So you can probably look at that in the settings. And don't, like I said, don't provide where you live, work, go to school, or where you hang out. Make sure the app does not pinpoint your exact location, like I was saying. Make sure to meet somewhere in public. That's huge. When you're going out, make sure that there's going to be other people around. That way, other people can do something if it ends up that you feel endangered. And report to the app if somebody makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. You can always block or delete someone. And make sure to video chat with the person. I watch a show called Catfish that I'm in love with. There's so many times where people just are dating somebody or dating somebody online. And they're just like, well, they never video chat because their camera's broken or they don't have Facebook. It's like a lot of people have social media nowadays. So it's likely that they do have a video camera. So just make sure that they are who they say they are before you go out on that date. So proceed with caution and give out your number when you feel absolutely comfortable with that person. And just try communicating through the app until you're ready to give your number out. And like if somebody's not willing to video chat or something like that, how do you get past talking online and then like just not video chatting it to in-person. Yeah, and then on Catfish, it ends up that the person tries to meet them in person, and then they flake and don't show up. And then it's like, you got to, like, read those red flags when they appear Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, proceed with caution because you never know. I can understand not wanting to, you know, immediately share photos of myself or like my personal life or, you know, like Mm -hmm. things that could maybe identify me differently than what I've displayed on my dating profile already. And so like, I think that's a valid fear, especially for people who maybe haven't had a great experience. But yeah, I do think that you get to a certain point where you've, okay, you've messaged back and forth for weeks or whatever it might be. If the relationship is developing, like, that's the natural progression. Right, yeah. So I I do think that it's important for you to verify where not only this other person is at, but where you're at and what both of you want out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, That communication is really important just to make sure that you're on the same page and there for the same thing and willing to be open with each other or whatever that might be. Yeah, exactly. So when you're getting back into the dating pool and trying to, you know, navigate those waters, what are some ways that you can build up your confidence when you're trying to start dating again? Well, first, you have to realize that they're just as worried as you are when going into dating again. So don't feel like that you look stupid or anything, because I'm sure they're more concerned about the way they look and you're more concerned about the way you look. So don't worry about any of it. And don't force anything. Just let it flow and use that positive self-talk before you go out on your date. You can maybe even try some power poses, put your hands on your hips and make yourself a little bit more confident in that way. And then also dress up because I know when I look nice, I usually feel more confident in myself. If you look good, then you feel good. Pick a place you're comfortable with going. So if you're used to going to one restaurant all the time, Go there because if that's your comfort place, do it. And also it's important to have talking points. So 
think about little facts that you know about this person. So if they love skiing or you know that they have a bunch of siblings, talk about that or bring up some fun, cool facts about yourself. And remember the do's and don'ts of flirting. So make sure to make eye contact and smile. Don't talk about your ex or constantly look at your phone. Make sure to pay full attention to them. And also utilize your pandemic experience. If you ended up finishing a whole puzzle during the pandemic, brag about it. This is your time to talk about your passions and meet the other person. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And that's okay. Like I said before, sometimes we try and we fail and it's not the end of the world, even if it feels like it sometimes because, like, easier said than done. I'm somebody who has a lot of anxiety and will definitely have a hard time, um, you know, facing that failure if I, you know, get rejected or something doesn't go quite right. But I think it is important to use those as kind of learning lessons and don't let that destroy your confidence. Take it as a learning lesson. Take what you learn from that experience and bring it with you moving forward into your next date, wherever that might be. Uh, not everybody's meant to be with everybody, you know, like some people work out, some people don't. And uh, that's just how it goes. And that's a totally okay. So speaking of anxiety and dating and maybe dating not going well, how can you end a date safely when it's not going great? So if you don't feel safe, you can tell the waiter or staff the situation that's going on. You can call them from the bathroom, like the restaurant, and tell them your concerns and ask them to call the police if you feel that's necessary. And also, if you want a second date, you could say, I had fun. Let's do this again sometime. If you're not interested, you could say, I had fun, but I'm not interested in another date. Or to just leave the date early, you could say, I have to go home or thanks for the date, but I have to get up early tomorrow. Or you could even have a code word that you text your friend and say pineapple or something like that. And then your friend will call you and you can say, oh my gosh, this is an emergency. I have to leave. You could come <laughs> up with any excuse and I would not even be a little mad about lying. You know, like I'm not going to hold that or I'm not going to hold you to that because you do what you got to do. Right. And like as somebody who serves in bartends, like if somebody came up to me and was like, hey this isn't going great. I'd be like, got you. What do you need to do? Let's go. Right. It's like, I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of servers who notice things, but because they're servers and not your friend, they can't do anything until you ask them to. Yeah, I definitely agree. Servers, they're probably used to things happening, happening like this all the time. So it's... there's so many weird situations that I'm just like, should I say something? Yeah. Or... But, like, ask for help, because there are people who would be willing to help you. I do think people are getting better at being more aware of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we have these conversations, the better the response to these kinds of situations will be. So, like Coltrow was saying, um, maybe talk to your server or, you know, talk to the gas station clerk or whoever's around. If you're not comfortable, I think a lot of places are working on maybe having like a protocol in place or at least have a basic idea of, you know, what can we do to help this yeah. person get out of this? And I think our organization does a pretty decent job of trying to reach out to places in the community 
and let them know what our services are and how to reach us. And um, hopefully they can help people access those services and resources if it's something they need. A lot of times, even if staff can't necessarily help you, they'll, they'll call a taxi for you. Sometimes you just have to speak up. Right. It's a work in progress. All right. So now that we've talked a little bit about dating in general, what's the next step? Cultural, would you like to tell us a little bit about healthy relationships? Or um, maybe we can start by talking about how a healthy relationship is beneficial. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to define what a healthy relationship is without giving examples. But I can say that there's a lot of different ways that healthy relationships can benefit you. Um, and a lot of these things may not even be something you realize, especially if you already are in a healthy relationship. But being in a healthy relationship should make you feel valued and like you belong somewhere. It should also increase your confidence. Uh, but your partner should also support your ideas, encourage you to try new things, and affirm your growth. Uh, in healthy relationships, partners give each other free space to express opinions show understanding, respect, trust, and care. It's also a safe space that provides the opportunity to be yourself to the fullest extent. Uh, when you're in a healthy relationship, you should be able to be who you are with your partner without any judgment. And so if you're in a relationship and are not feeling these things, it may be time to have a conversation with your partner about how to either support one another better or reassess the status of your relationship. What are some of the things I should look for in a healthy relationship? Yeah, so there's a few key ideas that should be present in a healthy relationship. Respect is definitely one of them. No one should pressure you into doing things that you're uncomfortable with, such as drinking drugs or anything of a sexual nature. And that goes for dating relationships as well. Respect, you should be accepted for who you are. You should also feel safe with your partner, both physically and emotionally. You shouldn't feel anxious about being put down or that you are being physically hurt or if there's physical contact that you don't want. Um, you know, those those shouldn't be ideas or thoughts going through your head in a healthy relationship. You should also support and care for, for one another. In a healthy relationship, you want the best for each other. Your friends and significant others should understand if you don't want to hang out because you have to study or spend time with other family or maybe you just don't even want to. Individuality is also a huge thing. Uh, I think that there's a lot of times people kind of lose themselves in relationships and lose who they are as an individual. So that's really important to focus on and make sure that you are staying true to yourself. Uh, but relationships are also about fairness and equality. Uh, you should always have an equal say in your relationship. You shouldn't have to barter or bargain with your partner just to do something or to, an ex to express an opinion. Um, your partner should also show acceptance towards you. You know, maybe they don't agree with all of your views and opinions, but they should at least accept that that is your view and opinion. You shouldn't have to change those views and opinions for your partner. On top of that, you should have a strong foundation of trust and honesty. Those things build each other, and you can't have a healthy relationship if you don't trust your partner. Communication is also super huge, and this means talking face-to-face, not just by text. And it also means talking about something other than what you're having for dinner. This is talking about your feelings, 
uh, listening to each other when maybe a comment was said without any meaning, but it was hurtful. It's really important that you can communicate and talk about issues before they become huge problems. But beyond these elements, it's important to feel connection to one another. If you can't connect with your partner, maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship with them. Not saying that you shouldn't be in relationships at all, but maybe there's somebody out there who you can better connect with. And as much as we're focusing on romantic relationships, which I think is very important for sure, I think a lot of this does also apply in other relationships with your family, your friends, uh, your roommates, your coworkers, whoever else, you know, you have other types of relationships in your life that, I mean, obviously not every element that we're talking about today is going to apply, but a lot of them do. And that's important to be conscious of also. Oh, for sure. And I think it's also really important to remember that conflict is normal, even in healthy relationships. Um, but that those conflicts are dealt with in a safe, respectful way. Um, at the end of the day, your positive interactions with one another should far outweigh any negative interactions that you may have. So this maybe sounds like kind of a silly question, but I think it's important for us to all be, you know, reminded why are healthy relationships important? Beyond the obvious of they're good for you, you know, healthy relationships can really help you build trust and feel supportive. Having people around you who can share positive and difficult times with you helps you manage stress when things become tough. Being in a healthy relationship and displaying that to your friends, other couples, peers, and children uh, is really important in displaying what a healthy relationship looks like. If somebody has never seen an example of a healthy relationship, it's pretty hard for them to model one themselves or to find a partner who they then develop a healthy relationship with. Um, children who have a model of healthy relationships from their family are better able to create these relationships outside of their families. And that includes with other friends and other kids that they get to know. And healthy relationships are also important in helping you feel safe and knowing that your partner loves you and will always have your back. So what are some of the things that people can do to build or develop a healthy relationship? One of the easiest ways that you can set your relationship up for success is to make time for one another. This may seem easy enough, but it is important to continue to do so throughout your relationship. Another thing you can do is prioritize open communication. By openly communicating, you can be on the same page with your partner. When you communicate, you can also work together. In healthy relationships, couples work together, not against each other. They form a united front against the problem or conflict, not each other. That being said, conflict and disagreement happens even in the healthiest relationships. Beyond that, it is sometimes healthy to disagree. And when disagreement arises, it's important to stay calm, talk about it with flexible and creative solutions. Finding effective ways to manage conflict in relationships also allows you to grow and learn as a couple. Awesome. So now we know what to look for, why it's important. That's great. Coltra, is there such a thing as a perfect relationship? The idea that a perfect relationship exists is completely false. Uh, so hopefully all, we all know that relationships have good days and bad days. Us humans are not perfect, so how could we expect our relationships to be? It's really important to realize that 
in the same way we are all different from one another, all of our relationships are also different than one another. Our relationships are based on different values and individual personalities. Think of your idea of a perfect date. I would guarantee that the three of us sitting here together would come up with different answers. Every couple needs something different. Some can be happy and fully functional in a long-distance relationship. Others do better when they spend more time together. There's a quote out there by Rochelle Mead that goes, Every relationship is different. Everyone loves differently. It makes me think of how some people are really cuddly and others would rather not be touched. Both are okay. Both are right. And whatever works for your relationship is what works for you and your partner, not your friend or not what your mom may have said. It's important as far as what works for you and your partner in that relationship. Can you tell me some of the tips you may have for facilitating healthy relationships? I actually have a list of 13 things that you can do daily uh, to help strengthen your bond with your partner and anybody else that you may want to develop a healthy relationship with. Number one, try to spend regular quality time together, even if it's just for a few minutes each day. Two, show affection, which meaning hugs, kisses, kind words, or something else that you know your partner enjoys. Three, offer help and support one another. Four, do fun things and laugh together. Five, share values and engage in family rituals, meaning dinners, uh, weekend walks, or movie nights to build a sense of belonging. Six, talk to each other. Seven, tell each other what you like about your interactions. Affirm them. Hey, I like your hugs. You asked for that really politely. Eight, have discussions to organize family events and to work through difficulties. Nine, try to listen and understand and respect each other's feelings. Number 10, discuss decisions that may affect each other. Give them a voice. 11. Model problem-solving skills. This not only helps you, but also can show others that disagreements do not mean that there is a fight. By continuously demonstrating problem-solving, confidence in problem-solving increases. 12. Set examples and send clear messages of how you expect to be treated. For example, speaking in a calm voice, even when you disagree. 13. Recognize and appreciate that everyone will have different likes, needs, and wants, and this may sometimes create challenges within the relationship. I love that you brought up this list because I think often we spend a lot of time focusing on red flags, which is really important for sure, but sometimes we forget about what I like to call, and others may like to call, green flags, which is what are the things we value? What's important to us in a relationship? What are qualities we should be looking for? And um, I think those really, um, you know, hit the mark. And I, I think especially one that stood out to me was that affirmation piece. People sometimes forget to do that. And honestly, I think I see people often, like, when they're having a hard time communicating with their partner, um, kind of like doing the opposite and passively, like you know, backwards you know, affirmations. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like making remarks that aren't outwardly rude, but like, you I know, appreciate when you do this, but not when you do this. Yeah, like, it's, no. it's just like, Oh, like, why'd you do it this way? Or why is it like, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily calling somebody out on something. It's often like just small little things. Right. But, you know, I think we can all do better about 
affirming each other mm-hmm. when we do good things because it, it feels good mm-hmm. it feels good when somebody tells you mm-hmm. you're doing a good job or that you are valued and you're loved right and like even if it's you know always your partner who does the dishes just saying hey thank you for getting the dishes done right that that can be huge yeah you know I, yeah especially when that's like something that's routine or habit it's easy mm-hmm. to take that for granted oh totally but yeah. to remind them that you see what they're doing and you appreciate mm-hmm. it and you're thankful for, you know, yeah. their actions and whatever your love languages are, like understanding those and working together. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's how it should be. And I think it really does come down to the little things. Those are really what makes and breaks a relationship, not one big fight. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. What are some things that everybody in any relationship is entitled to. So I just researched a list and it's so it's called a list of relationship rights, which includes being treated with respect, call, text, and email family and friends, my own body, my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own property. Your needs should be as important as your partner's. You shouldn't have to take responsibility for your partner's behaviors. Uh, You should keep your friends, have the ability to change your mind, and pay your own way. You should be able to assert yourself, not to be abused physically, emotionally, psychologically, or financially. Uh, You should determine how much time you want to spend with your partner. You also have the right to break up, fall out of love, and leave a relationship at any point. So we talked a little bit about healthy relationships. Can you describe some elements of an unhealthy relationship? Yeah, so there's actually several out there. Of course, anytime there is physical, emotional, mental, financial, medical, or any other type of abuse, the relationship would not be a healthy one. Some other things that we may not think of under the abuse category are unpredictability. Uh, When your partner gets angry easily, you don't know what will set them off, and you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Humiliation is also another one of them. If your partner is calling you names, puts you down, makes you feel bad in front of others, and pressure. Uh, If your partner pushes you to do things that you don't want or are not ready for, including sex, uh, drugs, or alcohol, if they don't take no for an answer, or if they use threats or ultimatums. Control can also be another big issue. If your partner is constantly telling you what to do, controls what you wear, or who you hang out with, If they're constantly checking up on you or using threats, including the threats to harm themselves or harm you to make you do things, there's also the threat of outing somebody, uh, outing somebody's sexual orientation or gender identity. All of those things do fall under the abuse category, whether we commonly recognize that or not. But if they don't support or respect you for who you are, that can be a huge issue in itself. And if you can't communicate your with your partner, it's really hard to have a healthy relationship. If you don't communicate, it's almost impossible to establish trust or to problem solve. And if you can't communicate, you'll likely run into several problems. Would you mind elaborating a little bit regarding what you mean when you say emotional abuse? Absolutely. Emotional abuse can be really hard to understand and identify because there's not physical marks of it even though it can be just as, if not more, damaging. You may be in an emotionally abusive relationship if you fear your partner, 
you are afraid to leave the relationship. You don't want to talk about the abuse. Uh, you might be isolated from family and or friends, either physically or emotionally. If you are making excuses for and or downplaying or denying your partner's behavior, uh, that can indicate an emotionally abusive relationship. If you feel like you deserve the abuse, miss a lot of school or work, experience flashbacks and or have trouble with memory. Um, if you feel numb and withdrawn, if you have thoughts of suicide, feel embarrassed and or ashamed, an abusive relationship may also leave you feeling stuck, might make you feel like you always have to be on alert, or it may even cause you to avoid certain things, such as smells, places, sounds that remind you of the abuse. Not all of these have to be present for it to be an emotionally abusive or abusive relationship. And just because these things are present doesn't mean it's an emotionally abusive relationship. But I'd say if you have three or more of these things happening at the same time, then maybe, maybe it's not the best relationship to be in. Maybe that's something that you and your partner can work on. Or maybe it's time for you to find a way out. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I think people often compare their experiences to the people around them, especially when it comes to trauma. I hear a lot of people minimize their own experiences because they'll say, well, this person's been through so much worse than me. So why, you know, why should I be feeling this way about this? Mm -hmm. It really doesn't matter. I mean, the brain is going to process trauma the same way, no matter what that trauma is, you know, hurt is hurt. One person having a certain experience doesn't mean that yours isn't painful also. Right. um, I think it's really important to recognize that and allow yourself to feel those things and allow yourself to process them and heal from them. Mm -hmm. You can't use time or bruises or, you know, hospital visits to quantify how abusive a relationship is. You know, those things don't apply to every abusive relationship. Exactly. So what about jealousy? How does that have a factor in a relationship? Uh, Jealousy is a tricky thing and is a very natural emotion to have. Jealousy is when you have the feeling that somebody may be trying to take something that's yours. Um, And jealousy itself is not always a problem. But when it is consistently present in a relationship, causes arguments or accusations of cheating, then it is a problem. Jealousy can cause a person to jump to conclusions or think that something means more than it really does. It can work like a poison in a relationship and cause all sorts of distrust and selfish controlling behavior. Jealousy isn't always logical either. A person can be fully aware of the facts, but still feel as if that sneaking suspicion that they have is true. Overall, I would say that to be jealous every once in a while is fine, but once it's a consistent thing, it can become a problem very quickly. I definitely agree with that. Trust is huge in relationships. So if you're constantly going at your partner, asking them what's in their phone or who they're talking to, that'll kind of break up the relationship more. Trust will be lost and it'll just cause a lot of arguments. Yeah. And I can understand that feeling of jealousy. I think it happens to everybody in some capacity, but it's really what you do with that. How do you handle it? And that's what's going to make a difference. So if, like Alyssa said, you're, you know, asking your partner to go through their phone or like, maybe not even asking, maybe you're just like digging through their stuff without any permission, without even communicating that to them, which does happen. 
It's um, not cool, though. <laughs> right, and I don't think that's healthy for you or your partner. I really think that communication is key. Yeah, people experience jealousy. It's bound to happen to all of us at some point, like I said. But I think it's, you know, the best plan of action when you're feeling that is to address it and nip it in the bud right away. Mm-hmm. Talk to your partner about that. I think, again, this can be touchy for people who have maybe had bad experiences in the past. Maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe you've been in a toxic relationship. Maybe you've been with somebody who's narcissistic and manipulative and, you know, really, really shaking things up for you. That's a perfect opportunity to communicate. Even if it's hard, I think it'll give you more peace of mind in the end. And um, it helps you understand each other more, too, where you're coming from and what the best way to address that is. Right. And talking about your bad past relationships maybe isn't a first date topic, right? but it's definitely something that should be addressed at some point, especially when it's causing you problems Mm -hmm. in your current relationship. Right. Yeah. Just to tell your partner, Hey, when this happens, I feel this way about it. I know it's not something you've done, Mm -hmm. but I just need you to be aware of it so that we can work through it together. And so that you understand where I'm coming mm-hmm. from and it's not, you know, I'm going to catch you off guard or not going to create problems. I just need us to be on the same page. Exactly. Essentially that. Just communicate. Yep. <laughs> so something that needs to be addressed here is the way that toxic traits sometimes are glorified or they, they seep into our media, into our lives, into our idea of what a relationship should be. Um, What are your thoughts on that culture? Yeah, I think that unfortunately there's a huge glorification of toxic relationships and interactions through different TV shows and movies and the media in general. One of the biggest issues is that we often identify toxic or abusive relationships as we try and justify those things a lot of times. One character will cheat on another one and because they cheated, um, then they get cheated on or, you know, something, it go, it totally snowballs into this huge mess of toxicity with, you know, either within a relationship, within a friend group, or even within an entire high school and some TV shows, you know, but there really is no justification for cheating or threats or ultimatums, being possessive, humiliating your partner or any kind of abuse. This type of justification often happens because the person who is dealing with these types of issues, uh, these types of abuse has done it themselves or somehow deserves it. Uh, But in reality, nobody ever deserves to be cheated on, humiliated, controlled by their partner, mentally, verbally, emotionally, or physically abused in any way for anything that they did. A significant other compromising the way that you feel is toxic in itself. The way toxic relationships are normalized in TV shows and media is really damaging, especially for young people. Unfortunately, young people's minds are more susceptible to influence and often do not have enough life experience uh, to reference what a good relationship looks like. We can see and we know this because one in three adolescents in the U.S. is a victim of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. And I got that from the Odyssey. This is a scary statistic because it indicates that abuse is more common in young people compared to the general population. When young people normalize toxic behavior, it is hard for them to learn about healthy relationships 
and it sets them up for a cycle of violence with their partners now and potentially in the future. The TV shows and movies that glorify abuse and bad behavior make for an entertaining plot, but if you really think about it, you know, would you want that kind of drama in your life or in your relationship with others? Probably not. It's it's not a fun or enjoyable way to live. Right. Yeah, I can't think of how many times growing up, you know, reflecting on it is so bizarre, but I was made to believe certain things about how a relationship should look, how things should go. You know, it's it's kind of set out there for you really early on, these really toxic traits. And it's bizarre uh, working in this field, especially. I don't know if everybody else is as conscious of it mm-hmm. as maybe we are, but man, I have had to unlearn a lot of unhealthy lessons as an adult. And I can't believe I was ever taught those things in the first place growing up. Right. I, I think a lot of times about the books that I read 10 years ago. Yeah. And just like, like the most classic one is Twilight, you know, you know, it's like such a, everybody knows it, everybody references it, but like standing there staring at you in your sleep. And then when she finds out, she doesn't call her dad, who is the sheriff and like get a restraining order. She's like, Oh, he loves me. That's romantic. Yeah. That's stalking. Why is that been a consistent thing in movies and books and right. all media? Right. Peeping toms are not sexy. No. Like, no, thank you. No. Gosh, and I, I can think of a few times where, as an adult, my parents have been like, oh, we loved this movie. We should watch it together. And I'll go hang with my parents and watch the movie with them. And then You're just like, as Ew. we're watching it. Oh, I can remember all of my parents being like, oh, I did not remember this. Like, ooh, that wasn't consensual. That was gross. Yeah, some things just, like, really have not aged well. And it's like, how did we ever let people get away with this in the first place Mm -hmm. or think that this was okay behavior? I remember watching um, Animal House with my parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. A few years ago, and that was one where they were like, yeah. Right. Maybe this isn't what we remember. Or same thing with even, like, 16 Candles or Breakfast Club Uh movies. And it's not even just movies, it's songs nowadays. Yeah, it's right. The way they describe relationships as their partner being an item, it's just mm-hmm. crazy what they have on the radio now. Yeah. Well, and I think something that we really kind of lose touch of sometimes is also when it's male versus female. Mm-hmm. You don't see TV shows where a guy hits a girl very often, but mm-hmm. I feel like I can name five TV shows pretty quickly where I've seen an upset girl or woman slap her boyfriend. Right. In a way and that's okay. Away with it. Yeah. yeah. But, like but it's, it's not like a man hitting somebody. It's, it's like, a it's obvious. Right. It's like, this is a violent person. And this is right. Thing. But like, yeah, a woman hitting a man off. That's just like, emotional. Oh, she's just like having a hard time. Give her a break. Like he deserved it. No, no. She's also <laughs> abusive now. Like, communicate and not hit each other. Right, right. Write better shows. <laughs> <laughs> Write better shows, please. Yeah, words. Yeah. So talking about like toxic relationships and all that, when should you end a relationship? Well, this is a pretty hard question that can have many answers and is very situational. Uh, but my best answer would be to trust your gut. Uh, stick with that feeling that you have in your heart. Ultimately, is your choice when and how and why you break up with your partner. But it can be helpful to take a look back on yourself and to think about your values. 
If your partner does not support your values or causes you to abandon or sacrifice your values, that can be a very serious problem. If you're not quite sure what I mean by values, I mean the fundamental beliefs that you use to make yourself feel safe, connected, and prioritize things in your life. You could value many different things like compassion, honesty, trust, hard work, wisdom, things like that. Um, because our values are core to who we are as individuals, it can be quite damaging to sacrifice values for a relationship. It may seem okay at first, but it can quickly catch up to you. But it can quickly catch up to you where you start making decisions you may normally not. Having the same fight over and over again without any hope for resolution may also indicate that your relationship needs to change or to get some outside help. Conflict, again, is normal, but it should not be constant. If you need something a bit more quantitative to know if you should break up, you could research a healthy relationship quiz. There's several out there, and of course, some vary. Some are more reliable, some are more gossipy. But the one that I like best is from Love is Respect. I can link that in the show notes, but that's loveisrespect.org. Using a relationship quiz can be a quick, easy way to assess to assess where you and your partner are on things, as well as what you can work on together. If you're still unsure, it can be a really good idea to talk to your partner if you think that's right, or a trusted friend. Just being able to talk about the problem can help make the problem seem a lot more manageable. But remember, just because you want to end your relationship does not mean it is the end of the world. Uh, you don't have to quit being friends, and it also does not mean that nobody will ever love you again. Ending a relationship is a normal part of the dating process and is very, very normal. And it is very, very normal to date uh, more than a few people before being with somebody forever, if you even want that. Overall, ending a relationship is not always a bad thing. It can be a very good thing. If you are in an abusive relationship, it's most likely time to end the relationship, but make sure you do it in a safe way. If this is the case, reach out to us at the Bridge to Hope or another agency that can provide resources and or help you create a safety plan. You can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 to help you do this, or us at 715-232-9074. Getting out of an abusive relationship takes work and can be difficult, but the newfound freedom, happiness, and independence you gain will make it all worthwhile. I think that ending a relationship can be really scary for a lot of reasons. And like you said, especially if somebody's in a toxic or abusive relationship, uh, that just adds a whole another layer of complication to it. Um, it makes it probably even, even scarier, especially when that becomes your sense of normal or you've been with this person for, you know, an extended amount of time. Maybe it's been a few years and how do you move on from that? That's hard. It's really right. difficult when you have that connection with a person and you are aware that it's not working out. Um, I think people will often stay because they feel like, like they're a failure if right, they get right. out of the relationship or they feel like, well, they've already spent this much time on this person. It's a waste of all those years and all those, you know, it's a waste of their time if they break up now, so might as well just stay in it. It's like, well, you're just going to waste your time longer. Exactly. You stay with somebody who's hurting you. And like, I, I've right. certainly been there. I'm not just out here being like, well, don't waste time. I have, I have been there before and it does suck, but ultimately 
I'm in a better place because of it. Maybe didn't see that at the time, but and it's and it shouldn't always be the goal to get out of a relationship to find a better one. Right. It can also be the goal to get out of the relationship to spend time on yourself. Absolutely, and that's so important. You really do have to love yourself first, and mm-hmm. like you said, that independence piece is so empowering to be able to find the things you love about yourself. Do things with yourself. Mm-hmm. Take, take take yourself on a date. You right. Know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why not do stuff you love? Because I mean, that's always one thing for me. It's like, oh, how am I ever going to find somebody who likes to do the things I do? Mm-hmm. Like, I like to do the things I do, so I can take myself to do those things. You know, right? And that feels right. Sometimes. Yeah. Hang out with friends or get a pet because they're always good yeah. company mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> Couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> so, how do you break up with someone? Well, breaking up with somebody can be a really scary and overwhelming thing. Therefore, giving your breakup some serious thought is really important. Think about why you want to break up and how you can communicate that in a genuine and honest way. You don't have to go through a whole laundry list of all the things that bother you or went wrong. Just think of a few main points and explain that those are the reasons that you must part ways. Having a conversation in person may seem like a lot of pressure, but it does help bring closure to you and your partner that you are breaking up with. And it helps solidify that the relationship is over. Breaking up over phone, text, or getting ghosted is rude, and we all deserve to be treated better. If you are scared of the person's reaction, break up in a place where you feel safe and have some sort of support. By breaking up in person, you can also accurately understand and identify how your soon-to-be ex handles the breakup, Some people do get angry and react badly when being broken up with, but ultimately you cannot control somebody else's reactions. On the other hand, you can control what space you're in when you deliver that news and who is around you when you make that split. Somebody you are breaking up with may react by crying or stating that they'll change, but don't let their emotions manipulate what your conversation is all about. You have thought this through. You have made the decision. Do not let somebody else convince you otherwise. You got this. Even if you want to, breaking up hurts. You likely still have emotions invested and care for the other person, even if you have already decided that you are not right for one another. Focus on sharing your reasons for breaking up, not the emotions. Make I statements. Focus on the conversation in a way that delivers your message without blaming or making accusations. Overall, stick to your guns. Don't lose your confidence. It is your choice. Be firm and clear in your decision. Be prepared to talk about it. Make sure that thoughts are discussed so both understand, but remember that it does not have to turn into an argument. Regardless, be empathetic. Ending on a bittersweet note is better than ending on a sad one. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's ever really a fun experience for anyone to break up. Like you said, even if you want to, still sucks Mm -hmm. it's weird it's still sad you know i had an ex who we ended on good terms we kind of set those boundaries when we broke up like Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe we can still be friends and communicate in the future but we need some distance apart from each other first right kind of heal from this on our own because he was a really really phenomenal person Mm -hmm. love the guy still care about him i don't really see him anymore but i communicate with him every once in a while and it's nice to be able to have left that relationship on good terms and just right. 
supportive of each other. He just got married and like, yeah. you know, like that's awesome. He was a wonderful boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We weren't meant for each other, but I'm really glad that he found somebody who worked out for him. And I'm, I'm so happy for them. Shout out to both of you. You're wonderful. You probably don't listen to my podcast, but hey, congrats. Do, yes. <laughs> congratulations. Um, but you know, I've, I've had other relationships that haven't ended on such good terms or maybe, you know, things where somebody's tried to like break up with somebody over the phone or tried to, I don't know, just not been good at communicating or breaking up over the phone and like, Hey, so are we still having pizza tonight or yeah. And that's really uncomfortable. Or maybe somebody doesn't give you that closure that you need to be able to move on. You know, they don't tell you why exactly they're just done and they're gone. And that's hard. Um, I, I really think it's so much better to try if you can to leave things on a good note. Obviously, I know that's not always possible, especially when it comes to like toxic and abusive relationships. I'm not going to ask you to be friends with your abuser, but well, and it does a breakup doesn't have to be somebody's fault either. Mm-hmm. It you know it can right. be just Sometimes you're not right for each other, right? Yeah, and that's okay. Like yeah. again, it's not necessarily a failure. You probably right. like I I think back on it's a learning experience, right? I think back on the uh, relationship I just had brought up before. I don't regret it by any means. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun during right. that time and I'm glad for it. And that's cool. It, it is what it is. I'm glad I had that time with that. Exactly. It's okay that I don't have that anymore. Cause you got to do what's best for yourself at the right. end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can you help either yourself or somebody else who might be in an unhealthy relationship or who maybe suspects they know somebody who's in a, unhealthy relationship? Uh, So there are a few different things that you can do to help deal with dating violence and to protect yourself. Um, Learn more. Learn about healthy and unhealthy relationships, consent, sexual assault, and stay informed about dating violence. Knowing the facts can help you be more prepared to talk about your experience if you choose to do so. And so if you are ready, talk about it. Even though dating violence can be hard to talk about, sharing your experience with someone you trust can help you and them feel less isolated. You can try telling your story to a friend, sibling, or adults, or even an anonymous text to us at the bridge. There's also different crisis lines that you can call or text and just share your story. Each of these resources can help you determine what your next steps could be or how you could better help somebody else. I think one of the most integral parts of helping yourself or somebody else is creating a safety plan. Uh, safety plans really depend on a lot of different factors and is they're very situational, um, but they can help you be prepared and set up a, an idea of how to escape a violent situation and know where to go or who to turn to in the case of emergency. Safety plans also don't need to be for such dire situations. They can just be a setup for, okay, if I decide to leave, you know, I would take X, Y, and Z. And you can take these steps to increase your safety, but remember that you don't have to do it alone. You can always reach out for support from either someone you know, or from us, or from another local agency or hotline. And I will add some safety planning tips and resources in the podcast notes. So what are some important takeaways you want listeners to know? Yeah, I think that there's a few things that we should all remember when dating and while in relationships. 
Trust and intimacy do not develop overnight. They may come more naturally and quickly for some individuals in relationships. Um, for others, these things may not develop at all. Either way, it's okay, and it's important to pay attention to these feelings. Giving relationships time to work can develop amazing bonds, but you should never force your relationship to work um, when you're not interested or have to sacrifice who you are for another person. Another thing is to remember, it is your right as a person to say no to any kind of attention at any time. This goes not only for sexual contact, but also for touching, kissing, hugs, gifts, flirtings. Uh, just because you're in a relationship with someone does not give them the right to treat you in any way that they want. Even if the behavior isn't necess necessarily abusive or may even be romantic in nature, unwanted attention can be a red flag for future abuse or unwanted behavior. Some things that are key to a relationship are friendship, balance, and trust. It may sound silly, but if you can't be friends with a person, maybe you shouldn't date. Being friends shows that you can communicate, have genuine interest in each other, and ultimately you are there for each other. Starting at this level builds a solid base for growth and supporting each other in goals and future challenges. You should still have friends outside the relationship, but having similar hobbies and interests brings couples together and allows for common ground despite what else might be happening. Balance is also really important. You shouldn't take advantage of each other sexually, financially, or emotionally. And not everything needs to be a competition. It's great to push each other to success, but when this becomes a situation where one must always win or lose, or when someone must always be superior in some type of way, the relationship is no longer healthy. Similarly, there should be no need to beg or plead for something. That type of power and control are not present in healthy relationships. Trust is a huge thing in relationships. It can be normal to feel anxious about your relationship, especially if you have anxiety or have been in a traumatic relationship before. However, when you constantly question your trust in your partner, something has to change. Relationships are based on trust, respect, and commitment. These help you feel secure despite anxiety. Trust allows for partners to openly talk about needs and meet each other's needs. A key element in any good relationship is wanting the best for each other. If this element cannot be met, then what are you doing? Friends, partners, lovers should want the best for each other. They should be concerned for each other's happiness and support each other in their goals and accomplishments. What do you think is the best way to deal with insecurity in a relationship? I know we talked about jealousy a little bit, but other, other insecurities exist too. And do you think it's ever okay to feel insecure in a relationship? I'm going to address this topic maybe more personally than I have with the others, but um, I would say that I have a very solid relationship um, and we're great for each other and have the trust, but I am an anxious person as well. Um, he might say something or make a joke that I take out of context and jump to five different conclusions when it was something about, you know, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> you know, my anxiety just takes me there. Um, and I know it's not a healthy thing and I really try and work on that. Um, but overall, I would say that insecurity is not always a bad thing, uh, but it can bring a relationship down. Researching this question, I also saw that uh, sometimes insecurity comes from a lack of self-love or confidence. Mm -hmm. um, if you feel the insecurity in your relationship has more to do with your partner and not yourself, that's a different story. 
it's really important to understand where the insecurity stems from to help overcome it. For sure. Take some time to reflect when you're feeling those things. Um, look inward. Really, if you can't identify the root of the problem, it's going to be hard to address it and fix it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. take some time to, to really figure that out and work with yourself and your partner or partners, whoever's involved. I also believe that you might start out insecure in a relationship. You have those insecurities, but right. as you're with the person longer, then you feel more secure because maybe they know that certain things make you insecure, so they help you with that. Mm-hmm. So as you are in a relationship longer, maybe those insecurities go away. Mm-hmm. The more you get to know each other and work with each other and communicate, the more you practice those things, probably the better it'll get. And, and it kind of goes back to that affirmation piece we talked about earlier. Yeah. If you can communicate and affirm your partner and just check in with them. Like everybody should check in with each other right. at some point and just kind of you know, talk about where you're at. And being able to do that, I think, can really strengthen your bond with somebody and make for a, a healthy foundation for a relationship. So this concludes the first portion of our series on relationships, boundaries, and sex. Oh my! Woohoo! <laughs> if this episode has you thinking about your relationships, then I do wholeheartedly encourage you to examine the health of your relationship and to take the healthy relationship quiz on loveisrespect.org. Next time, we will explore consent and boundaries. See you then. See you then.